When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I am one of your hosts, Mike D'Angelo, and on this episode, Brian Farver and I got to sit down with director Chris McKay and actress Yvonne Strahovski to talk about their new film, The Tomorrow War, which is available on Amazon on July 2nd. We got to sit down with them separately, so you'll hear the interviews back-to-back. In the first interview with director Chris McKay, we got to chat about working with Chris Pratt as a producer, creating an original sci-fi movie with heart and humor in the modern age, and some other projects that he was associated with, like uh, DC's Nightwing, the Lego Batman movie sequel, uh, Johnny Quest. We touch on a lot of things. Uh, In the second interview with Yvonne, uh, we touch on her mysterious role in The Tomorrow War, her thoughts on her Handmaid's Tale character Serena, and if she's involved in the upcoming Dexter revival series. But before we get to our chats, I've got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. These can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and now Spotify. Follow us on iTunes, and you'll get this podcast as well as our other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating, and as always, thank you for listening. Now, without further delay, our Tomorrow War Chat with Chris McKay and Yvonne Strahovski. Okay, so to start out, I guess we just want to know uh, how this project came to you, or did Chris Pratt show up on his hands and knees begging you to do it? Yeah, I don't think Chris Pratt has to beg anybody to uh, make a movie with him. Uh, yeah, uh, how, you know how it uh, how it came to me. Um, the the I was there. There was this. The script was at at, at Skydance. Um, they they had Chris Pratt attached to it, um, and uh, you know you, you get to read it. You know, obviously as a director, you know people send you a lot of scripts and to read something that was an original sci-fi movie uh, that had a lot of heart in it and, and uh, some great characters and fun uh, epic scope and scale. To me, that's just like, that, that's, that's exactly what I'm looking for. The fact that Chris was attached to it uh, made it super exciting because I love Chris. He's a great guy and super, he's a movie star. He's a great actor. So um, yeah, so I was just really lucky to be in the right place at the right time when they were looking for a director for something and the project, uh, was was right exactly my wheelhouse exactly what I wanted yeah so he this is like the first time Chris has been an EP on something an executive yeah. producer how did yeah. that really change the relationship and in the dialogue between the two of you he I mean uh he's uh I, I, as far as a partner goes on making a movie you couldn't ask for a better guy than Chris he's uh generous smart he's been around you know enough to have a you know a lot of good advice great mm-hmm. advice um uh and just you know again just a, such a just a really good solid guy um and then and then for him to as an actor to also be so like vulnerable um and honest emotionally and that sort of thing like again i couldn't ask for a better partner on either 
on either side of the camera with him. He's just a, he's just a really solid dude. So um, when I think of other films of this ilk, I'm always, you know, kind of curious to see what the aliens themselves will look like. And they're, these aliens are some of the more bloodthirsty monsters I've seen with this design. That's almost like a cross between like a crocodile and a spider it's it's very haunting i have to say like what went into the brainstorming sessions of the of the alien design and if i may ask like what didn't end up being used yeah. <laughs> my wife was genuinely terrified by these by the way this glimpse of the face was like whoa look at that <laughs> that's good i mean look you know I, you, I, like you guys you know I, I i grew up with you know the xenomorph from alien and aliens and the predator, you know, the high, high bar, high watermarks for creature design. Right. And then there's kind of, then there's kind of everything else. Um, uh, and I, you know, yeah. So trying to design something that was uh, unique, uh, but didn't, didn't, you know, sort of remind you of these, it's tough because they're so, they're so imprinted in all of our brains. So I started with, you know, I wanted them to be hungry. Um, uh, I wanted them to be uh, uh, ancient. I wanted them to, I wanted to feel the texture of their skin through the, through the, through the screen. I wanted, I wanted them, I wanted them to just feel alive and like there's a backstory. I love, I love things that make it feel like you're seeing beyond the edges of the frame. Like anything that any detail that can make you think of that there's some, there's another story, a backstory to this thing. I also wanted them to have a feral intelligence. It was important to me that you felt like they were ancient, hungry, and had a feral intelligence that they, you may not understand what they're saying, but they understand what they're communicating and that they hunt, hunt like coyotes and wolves. They hunt in a pack and they communicate over distances and they run plays when they're, when they're chasing after prey. And then the tentacles, and I wanted to have them to have an offensive weapon of some kind and having tentacles that shoot uh, stuff uh, was important <laughs> to me just because like I'm a big HP Lovecraft, you know, sort of cosmic horror tentacle stuff. So I wanted some of that, you know, feeling in there. And then I wanted their teeth to feel like a dental nightmare. Uh, these are these are the things I said to the, to the team uh, to have them chase after this. And this is first stuff that didn't end up I'm hoping that like some of the designs, we came up with a lot of really crazy, weird stuff. Um, I was, I'm hoping that some of those stuff, if we ever get a chance to do a sequel or something, I'm, I'm hoping that some of these other designs would end up in the sequel. Cause we had a lot of really cool, really different, uh, yeah, really different, different things. And uh, I'm hoping it's some of that stuff because, because it was all like, it was really hard to choose. And we had like camps that wanted, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So yeah, there's, there's some good stuff. There's also some really weird stuff that just like, you know, for lack of a better phrase, that looked like dicks. So there's like some really weird, <laughs> really weird things that just, you know, just didn't end up, you know, get past the, get past sort of the, uh, the, the, the sketching phase, but they were. People Maybe were the like, next movie can have a dick monster. You know, you never know when you need it. I think that's exactly what Amazon was. <laughs> for sure. Well, the movie is absolutely bonkers. And I mean that in a loving way. Like it is just crazy, thrilling, adrenaline filled, like action, like wall to wall. Um, but I am going to be selfish for two seconds and say that I absolutely adore the Lego movie or the Lego Batman movie. Oh, great. As a dad, uh, I've watched it probably 40 to 50 times and it still just gets me every single time. Just the, the cast is so perfect. It's so well paced and made and the story is so great. 
Um, but my question for you is, you know, what's going on with the sequel? Is it still planning to drop around February, 2022 or what's for, for Lego Batman? Um, yeah, the, the, no, not right now. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that because Warner brothers isn't making Lego movies anymore. I think they moved over universal. So, uh, so now I think it's going to be tough to do a Lego Batman movie, but, but, uh, but hopefully they'll still be making, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they can do over at universal. That'll be, that'll be great. I mean, I hope, so we get to do a Lego Batman movie, but uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's gonna happen. That's a bummer. Yeah. yeah. Well, you were attached. You were also attached to another DC property for <laughs> some time with Nightwing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dying to see a big screen version of that character for some time, and I know it's likely dead in the water at this point. But can you talk about what your version would have been about it, and if yeah. you had a specific actor in mind for that role? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I could say a few things because I don't think it's a hundred. I mean, look, it's definitely like a very, it's definitely taking a very long time uh, to put that movie together, but um, I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent dead in the water. So I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a movie that I still want to make. It's a movie that's still, it's a character that I love and that I'm, uh, it's a world that I'm passionate about. Um, and I've always been a big, just Batman universe fan like that's the, the very you know the very first superhero that i that i fell in love with but i but robin as a character who grew from working under batman to uh to going on his own and becoming nightwing and and, and going to you know bloodhaven and things like that like that to me is is um is uh that, that journey, because I went sort of like as a comic book reader, I went on that journey, uh, you know, as I grew up, you know, Robin grew up and became Nightwing. So, so this part of my, uh, is, is, is part of my history and what we're going to, the, the idea was uh, to make something that was both in the same way that Tomorrow War is action packed. Uh, in fact, I think Nightwing would have been even more action packed but also be a really emotional story and be something a little bit, this, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but uh, a little bit like a great Santini uh, type movie is somebody who grows up under a, the, uh, under somebody who is a, a dark uh, mentor and then how that affects him and, 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 a, and about the relationship. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a, I'll stop there, but like there's, <laughs> there's, there's uh the emotional story of uh, Dick Grayson in in the Nightwing movie is going to be very powerful when we get a chance. Yeah. To. Well, hopefully, you know, you're still attached. I'm I'm always curious what it what it's like, especially because you're you were getting into that right when you know everything was kind of in flux over at the DC EU. Um, what was it, I mean? What was it like? Was everything just kind of being tossed every day, or or was there a, a plan at one point? No, there's, I mean, they, they definitely had a, they had a, lot, a plan, definitely had a plan, lots of plans. Um, they, you know, uh, I, th I think the only thing with Nightwing is that we were sort of toying with, does it need to work with the, what was already being created or not? And so there was a little, there's sometimes there's a little bit of a push and pull uh, with that as far as like what, uh, uh, you know, are we going to be attached to it? Because again, that was also the time when they started, you know, sort of playing with uh, the Todd Phillips Joker. That was sort of the nascent stage of some of that stuff. So can can there be an alternate universe of stories and that kind of thing? 
Um, I'm glad that they're embracing the things that they're embracing and I'm glad that they're doing things that they've they had a lot of really great recent success Yeah, with, with DC. And I'm, I'm hoping that like, you know, that, that that's, that they're, that they're buoyed by that. You know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, encouraged by um, a lot of the things that they're doing. So I'm hoping that, again, that's why I'm hoping that, you know, this movie comes out and, and uh, people like it and uh, maybe I can convince them, uh, you know, to, to make the Nightwing movie again. I know there were other projects you were involved in, like Johnny Quest, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, any insight as to why those didn't like move forward at all? Well, we we uh, we just turned in a script for Johnny Quest, so we've been working on uh, we've been working on a film, you know, because it, it's it, projects like this sometimes, especially when you go and work on other things, sometimes they take a little bit of time to get to get to the right spot, and you're also sort of experimenting with writers and tone and that sort of thing. Um, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, if, if I, I want to make this Nightwing movie, there's, there's some, there's so much about Nightwing that I'm passionate about and about the, what we were doing with that story. I really hope it gets made. Johnny Quest is a different kind of movie. It's a little more like Raiders, uh, but with a family aspect to it. Uh, and it's, I'm really excited about what the guys uh, did with the latest draft of Johnny Quest. I think it's going to be something that's really special um, it's a, it's a, it's another story about a family and about, about sort of like the family that you create a little bit with the people in your life, uh, which I think is, you know, to me, uh, a really great, uh, message and, um, and it, and it sees, uh, Johnny and the quests, uh, in a very modern, uh, context and, um, at its heart, it's in some, in some ways, it's a little bit about how the people around you can help you overcome grief. Um, and I think that's so it's so it's so uh, so to me, it's uh, uh, something I'm really excited about. And then um, uh, you're asking about uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, just before I started on, you know, we were developing Dungeons and Dragons and I was working on Borderlands and a few other things. Um, and uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, is Paramount's making that movie. It won't be with me because I went off to do Tomorrow War, but they're but they're making they're going to make Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not sure how much of the script we developed got into it but um i know they're really excited about about that awesome. movie yeah and i'm excited i'm just, as a fan i'm excited you know uh, uh we had a, it was fun working on that project because we got a chance to work with like uh chris perkins and and like you know uh dungeon masters uh uh that are really creative and fun and we did we did a little story session where i had, I had the writers and team play uh play D and D. Uh, oh. It was fun to watch them kind of, you know, watch these, watch some people who were, who had played before and other people who hadn't get kind of get, get in the mix. It was, it was cool. That was a lot of fun. I, a couple of I days. can imagine that'd be pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> As somebody who's played that game once, I, I can <laughs> <understand>. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, kind of speaking of like established characters, it was announced in April of this year, you were going to direct Renfield. Yeah. Uh, about Dracula's henchman for Universal yeah. with Robert Kirkman, is that moving forward? I mean, what can you tease about that? Yeah, um, it's uh, uh, it's yeah, sort of uh, it's Dracula's story, but told from a from a different point of view. Um, and it's and to me, at the end of the day, it's a movie about codependency. Um, and that's that's what the it's a it's going to be an action movie. It's going to be a horror movie. It's going to be a comedy. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, uh, there's a lot going on in Renfield, but yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Nice. So. 
I'm encouraged to hear that all of this is actually still, you know, kind of happening. Yes. I, I was I was expecting you to to have say, no, nah, I'm not going to have time for that. I'm not going to have time for that. But it, so far, it sounds like things are actually moving along. I'm hoping, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping, you know, in time, you know, uh, the industry is changing all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, the people, you know, they, they, they you know, uh, I think, I think you have to stay nimble and also stay positive that hopefully it's all going to, you know, these things are all going to work out. And of course, and do that. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was, uh, I mean, I'm sorry to, to keep diving down your IMDB like this, but you have a really fascinating <laughs> upcoming slate and, and stuff that you've done yeah. recently. So I know you were kind of famously part of this large team that was brought in to fix the Doolittle movie. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> hmm. yeah. uh, I, I promise I'm trying not to get you in trouble for anything. Yeah, okay, thank you. Appreciate I'm, that. I'm genuinely I, I do a curious. good job of getting myself into trouble. So <laughs> I'm just genuinely curious what that yeah. experience was like. Was there ever a point, you know, where you're you're just kind of like looking at it and you're like, how do we fix this? Is this too far gone? Or did you think you, you know, you were able to massage it enough, or did you walk away at, you know, just pretty early on? Yeah, no, um, movies that, you know, the obviously big, expensive movies sometimes run into problems that are, there's a lot of reasons why people get into a spot, right? Could be schedule, it could be, could be you know, there's a, there's a, a financial reason, you know, there's a million reasons why weather, you know, things can go wrong when you're, when you're making a movie. And, I, you know, I, I was certainly not the first, uh, person that they reached out to um there was other there's other uh people that they reached out to to sort of help out with the movie i i think that the thing that i've that when i've when i've helped out on movies before i sort of have just some very practical sort of sort of solutions to problems i come i come from a post side of things you know so i kind of know you know i can i to me there's there's lots of flexibility that you have so i i was i was there to present options i was there to help you know develop there was there was a they needed they needed joke punch up for sure that was a big that was a big part of what we came in for but also to sort of some story punch up and so tried to help them i mean basically was on the movie for about three months to just sort of come in and help out um and you know brought in a team of storyboard artists and 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 writers and try to give them as many jokes because they were going to go in and do some reshoots so try to give them as many jokes and story change ideas and stuff like that and then kind of let them do their thing um, it was a fun process. I got to meet a lot of fun people and it started my relationship with, with Universal, which is kind of how I, you know, got the opportunity to do Renfield. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, there's, there's, there's probably, a, I think Seth Rogen has already done sort of a deep dive on, on his, uh, on his, uh, you know, cause he was, he was there before I was, I think he's already done sort of like a deep dive on that. And I think <laughs> his, uh, his, 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 his point of view on it was, was, was funny, but, it, but, you know, it's, it's, again, it's like, no, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's hard making movies is hard making big budget movies like that is hard. And so what, where, when filmmakers find themselves in a, in a position like that, um, they just, they just, sometimes they just need people to come in and help out. And I, and like I said, I try to approach it from a positive, like, you know, here, here's the things you, here's the opportunities that this now creates for you to do and try to help people see that. And then, and then, you know, help, and then again, give them jokes, give them ideas, give them, you know, set piece stuff, things that they can do with what they've already shot, things that they can do, you know, if they're going to shoot for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, you know, give them, give them as many things that they can have in their toolbox so that they have, they have options and, and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough, but, 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 you know, again, I got, I got good relationships with, uh, 
with Universal out of it. So, so that was that was the that, for me that was uh, that was what was fun about it. Yeah. And you didn't get yourself in any trouble there, I will assure you. <laughs> yeah, I was dancing so hard. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> uh, getting back to the Tomorrow War, um, as far as like the, the landscape that this year is kind of created with theatrical releases, this one seemed to be kind of tailor-made for that group experience in a theater. Were you kind of happy to see it go to Amazon on streaming or or is that something you'd still prefer, you know, people find a way to to get uh, you know onto the biggest screen possible yeah i mean well the the idea that you can get a movie out to as many the the bar for entry for your movie for people to see it around the world simultaneously um as a filmmaker you're making movies because you want to have a dialogue with an audience right like that's that's the reason why you're doing this you know you're you want to you want to you know show people something you want to tell people a story right and so to be able to go out and make something and then have it have it go to the biggest you know the biggest movie theater possible streaming to everyone at home mm-hmm. um uh that's pretty amazing it's uh, you know and that's uh to, and to me that's that's you know that's super appealing of, of course i love movies and theaters and i've you know i grew up on movies and theaters um, and that's, you know, and I, I, I love, I love the theatrical experience, but you get, you know, when you're streaming, you know, uh, especially when you, you know, we, we mixed a version and, and, and color corrected a version for the theatrical, which is great and, and looks great and is immersive experience, but we also made a version for the home audience, uh, and the color correction and sound are, are, are meant to replicate the theatrical experience as as much as we possibly can and and the look of this movie this movie in hdr looks so good like this is the best version of the movie and it and when you're when you're streaming at home you have you have more of a guarantee that people are gonna gonna get that version of the movie so i so i would encourage anybody to watch it on the biggest tv they can find with the loudest sound system they can uh, afford and bring all your friends uh to your house and try to create that that same kind of communal uh experience because uh because the movie's meant to be played for a you know and for an audience and so the more people you have around the, the better yeah i'd definitely say that's true and even if it was just my wife and i watching it she was certainly enough reacting enough for me to get like an audience experience <laughs> on my own that's she great terrified by those aliens but oh, uh, good. It's yeah. it's a really fun movie, and I I've got to wrap up with you here, but I really just want to take it the time to to thank you for creating you know big screen cinema that we can all enjoy together. That's that's intelligent and thrilling and and yes. great stuff to watch. No thanks, guys. That's really nice of you. Thanks, I really appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Chris McKay. We will yeah. talk to you soon, hopefully. Talk soon. And now from our interview with Chris McKay. Over to our other Tomorrow War interview with Ivan Strahovski. Thanks for jumping on the podcast today. Um, I just want to uh, thank you for being Sarah Walker on Chuck, because I'm a huge fan (laughs) all the way back to then. Um, And I'm just thrilled to see the action badass side come back out to play again. But there's there's definitely a different shade to this character uh, that I don't want to necessarily ruin. But would you say, you know... uh, you know, what would you say drew it, drew you to the role overall? You know, was it the, the getting to play that action hero again, or was there something else? 
No, I mean, not necessarily the action. It was just that she was such a well-rounded character, you know, like I, um, I mean, she's obviously a really smart, very, very capable woman, but she also has this really incredible, um, powerful backstory that, um, that is, that is really emotional that she ends up having to confront in the movie. Um, but she has to put it aside when, when you first meet the character, um, because she's essentially saving humanity. Um, so, you know, she's got the weight of the world on her shoulders, um, huge pressure. Obviously the stakes are so high, but I think in her personal life, the stakes are also high. And that's what really created this great kind of tug of war between the two spaces that she's existing in in the movie. Yeah, and kind of touching on that, that badassness again, from from where did you draw the inspiration for this character? Was it tapping into Sarah Walker again? Or maybe, I don't know, you work on like Mass Effect from a military standpoint? Or did you consult or train with anybody specific for the role? Uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, reference anything or anyone um, during it. I, I tend to, you know, with any character, I tend to just go inward with what I have on the page and kind of go from there with my imagination. Um, but we definitely had some weapons training. Uh, we did like kind of like a mini boot camp um, on how to hold the weapons. And, the, and of course, as you know, I'm, I'm familiar with, with that world, but it had been a while. So um, I think within the first hour of the weapons training, I thought my arms were going to drop off. Um, because I forgot just how heavy that that machinery is. Um, so yeah, it was it definitely, you know, I think my arms got really toned throughout the the shooting of this film <laughs> just from uh, carrying that that weapon. Um, yeah. Awesome. And I have to imagine um, that that Chris Pratt is just just so unbearable to work with as an executive producer. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did, did he lord it over over you the whole time on set or did you pull rank as a character on him? <laughs> I mean, he's like, he's the sweetest guy. He's so fun to work with. I, I had such fun working with him and, um, you know, it was really actually like a special experience because we had, um, we obviously have to create a, a very particular kind of dynamic on screen and it was so lovely to know that you know to be walking into the space and know that he was so generous and thoughtful and um and really focused also on on the character and and bringing that part of the story to life which is really cool for an action film because it really does ground the film in in the relatable kind of reality that I think people will really in, enjoy. Yes, absolutely. My, my wife was really tapped into this one. So um, I, I watched it with her and one, the, the alien scared the living bejesus out of her, but two, the, the, the uh, dynamic between you and Chris really, uh, really worked for her and myself as well. So, um, but, you know, talking about the, the film overall, I guess I'm wondering what your thoughts are. This was originally going to be this big summer tentpole theatrical release. Now it's it's heading to Amazon Prime Video. Obviously, we've seen a lot of these get shifted over the, the past year. Uh, Without Remorse was recently one that also went to Amazon. Um, but this one kind of has, like I said, that big tentpole, you know, theatrical experience to it. Is it a little bittersweet for you to kind of see it shift to streaming right away? or Or how are you feeling about it at this point? I mean, yeah, I, 
I guess, yeah, it was really interesting watching that kind of unfold, I guess, because um, you're right, it was it was designed for the big screen. Um, but I feel, I mean, I personally, I'm not much of a movie goer. I watch everything um, at home and like my husband gets frustrated with me because I like to watch everything on my iPhone, <laughs> including <laughs> a movie like this. <laughs> so, so for me personally, I mean, I, I, I prefer it. I like to be able to access you know, content at home. Um, and I mean, in a way it's kind of appropriate just for the time that we're in, I feel like more people are gonna be able to see it. You know, we're still, we're, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but we are still ultimately in a pandemic. And so, um, you know, it, I think it's still touch and go with the cinema experience out there. So this does really feel like a way more feasible way to get this film out there and, and in people's living rooms. And I think it comes at a really good time. I think people are really itching for something like this to, to come out that really is appealing. Um, so like a, like a family kind of situation. I mean, I, obviously action movies are a real guy thing. Like you were saying, when you said your wife really enjoyed it. Like it really does uh, attract, I think, a, a multitude of people. Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think it's, it's going to get you to the widest audience possible right now. It's just sometimes I really miss being in a theater, but the, the last time I was back, it, it still just felt a little like everybody was on, on edge. So uh, you never know, maybe we'll get back to it, but either way, I'm, I'm glad we get to see this one soon. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, projects you might have coming up or we're just spitballing here. I feel like you and your co-star, uh, Betty Gilpin would make absolutely amazing Marvel or DC heroines. And we've fan casted you guys, you know, just in our, in our conversations a bunch of times. So we're just trying, just throwing it out there. Is there anybody maybe, you know, in this day and age, you've got, you got to get it thrown across your desk eventually. Uh, are there any superheroes or uh, anything like that that you'd, maybe want to take a shot at or find interesting i mean i certainly do not have my finger on the pulse when it comes <laughs> to superheroes but uh i ultimately would not say no to being a superhero i think that sounds pretty fun and hey if if i could work alongside betty gulpin being a superhero that sounds even more fun because she's awesome <laughs> <laughs> kind of shifting gears here i mean you have a pretty dark a villainous role in Handmaid's Tale. And I wonder if you enjoy playing villains or heroes more as an actress, or if it's just more about variety, or do you even see Serena as a villain? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I, I definitely enjoy variety. It's definitely something I take into account when I'm considering a role. Um, but I don't, I never approached Serena as a villain ever. I, to me, she was a woman that had been, deeply wounded by her husband for what had happened prior to when we stopped the entire series. So like there was a, there was a handmaid prior to June arriving and he had had an affair with her or something had happened that had completely caused distrust in their relationship. And, and I just sort of built from that space, which in my mind was a very vulnerable space for Serena that she masked with, you know, a kind of hardness um, and bitterness, of course. And I think it just got worse and worse and worse progressively, you know, as, as we see her evolve in, this, in the show. Um, 
so yeah, I, I never, you know, I, I never really saw her uh, as a villain. Although, of course, objectively, when you, you know, in hindsight, as you watch the show, of course she is. I, I mean, I, I, I know that in my mind. It's just when you're, when I'm playing her, when I, when I have to connect with her on like a human level, I have to find that humanity in her, and and I go straight in to 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 see what what has humanized her and what has what has affected her, what has traumatized her, which has really shaped who she is now. Staying on the topic of shows, I mean, we wouldn't be doing our jobs. We didn't ask about your possible involvement in the upcoming Dexter revival. I mean, do you know if we'll be seeing Hannah McKay again? And I mean, what are your thoughts on the show coming back? We know the series finale wasn't that well received by fans. Yeah, I I am aware of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I have no idea what they're doing with this uh, new season. I'm not involved. Um, so I'm completely in the dark with what they're doing, although I'm very curious, at, you know, I think along with other people to know, to, to see what they're going to do with it. Um, but I get, I don't know. I, I guess I've just kind of decided that maybe they, um, my theory is that, uh, that Harrison has, has grown up to be somewhat like his dad and that maybe Harrison's killed Hannah um, as like some weird gift to Dexter and, and, you know, Dexter has to go and bring Harrison back into his life to, to train him to be a good, a good killer or something. I don't know. That would be some dark stuff, but totally on brand. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, looking at your your IMDb, which we all know is the current source for what's up to date and accurate information. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. Um, it doesn't have a ton of project projects as far as what's coming up in your slate. Do you know what uh, what you can tease as far as what's coming up? I can't really tease anything. Um, oh, I see how it is. It's you, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> boring answer but uh but no there's there's stuff i mean i'm definitely I've, the pandemic has really allowed me to kind of um rethink uh some you know professional direction i guess so um so i'm hoping that i'll be able to share in the next few months um something exciting Ooh. okay well you have us on the edges of, of our seats but uh i'll let you keep that for now uh, either way, I do want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Um, and the tomorrow uh, war was just, you know, super fun and exciting. And I, I think we both really enjoyed it. So I, I can't wait for other people to see it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you thank so much. Thank you. Okay, that is it for our episode of the Playlist Podcast today. Chris McKay, Yvonne Strahovski, talking the Tomorrow War. Again, that hits Amazon on July 2nd, and it's super fun, so check it out. Uh, feel free to like, subscribe, all that stuff on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.